Welcome to the Tournament Poker Edge podcast, brought to you by TournamentPokerEdge.com, the only podcast dedicated exclusively to poker tournament strategy. Now, here's your host, Clayton Fletcher. Hello once again, everybody, and welcome to the Tournament Poker Edge podcast. I'm your host, Clayton Fletcher in New York City, and today I have a guest who needs no introduction, but... Well, he's going to get one anyway. <laughs> My guest today joining us, by the way, from fabulous Las Vegas, is a six-time WSOP bracelet winner with over $42 million in lifetime tournament caches and two WPT titles. He's a member of the Poker Hall of Fame and the only player in history to win WSOP Player of the Year twice. Please welcome Kid Poker himself, Daniel Negreanu. Daniel, can I call you Kid Poker, or is that over? You know, you can. I think <laughs> updated a little bit to Dean Eggs, but you know, hey, I mean, Kid Rock is what, like almost sixty, and they still call him Kid Rock. So I'll, 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 I'll take it. Yeah, let's just base it on Kid Rock. When he stops with the kid, you stop with the kid. Fair enough. I'll, I'll accept. <laughs> <laughs> well, first off, let me say right off the bat, it's such an honor to have you on the podcast. Yeah, I really appreciate you taking the time today, for sure. No problem at all. I'm just twiddling my thumbs till the World Series comes anyway. Yeah, I mean, I know you're kind of like me. I, I get so excited, like, around March. You know, I'm like, oh, only three more months until the World Series. I mean, there's just nothing else like it in the world. I mean, I mean this year, we've got a new venue, right? We've got uh, a bunch of new tournaments, stuff they haven't done before. Uh, what are you most looking forward to about the 2022 WSOP. Well, yeah, like much like you described, you know, you're already looking at it at March. For me, it was like right in January. I did fat December, January. I'm like, all right, time to get in shape specifically for the World Series. And obviously we're at a new venue, as you sort of mentioned there, and uh, there's going to be growing pain. So I'm a little nervous about that in terms of, you know, poker players are right. Man, I hate the Rio. Man, I hate the Rio. This sucks. Oh man, I wish we could go back to the Rio. I like I know that's going to happen, right? Like because it is a trip, there is going to be congestion. But what I'm looking forward to most, just getting getting started, checking out my new digs because you know the RV is not going to be there's no place to put it, so I won't have an RV. I'll have like a green room this year. So I'm excited to get started there. And then the the kickoff event, like this first week is kind of nuts. The very first week there's like 400,000 in buy-ins, you know, and it starts off with 100k uh, no limit hold'em bounty tournament. There's never been a bounty tournament remotely that big, so it'll be interesting to see what the numbers look like, and then also just like strategically, like how the hell do you play a bounty tournament correctly? Who the hell knows? I guess pros that do it. Yeah, well, you know, my listeners know I love bounty tournaments and PKOs and you know uh, all the like the mystery bounty. Like I'm all about all of that stuff. I like tournament formats that encourage players to gamble more just because I think it's boring watching everybody try to fold their way to the final table. So I, I really love bounty tournaments. But, yeah, nobody really knows how to play them yet. Well, I think there's some online grinders, you know, who do. But most of the high roller guys, I don't ma- I don't imagine that they've spent a ton of time. And the truth is I don't really care about, like, the bounties or playing ICM or whatever. I'm just going to try to win the tournament, which means I'm going to play suboptimally. Where in spots where you're just supposed to call because of the bounty, I'll be like, nah, I don't. I just don't have. But I don't want to call. So I'm not going <laughs> to call. I don't have good cards. I don't care if I'm supposed to call. I'm not going to. So anybody out there who's planning on entering the high roller bounty that first week of the WSOP, 
Uh, Daniel told you right here. You can run him over. Go ahead and try. Good luck with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, good luck with that. So no more All-American Dave. Any thoughts on Dave? So, I mean, it's, I mean, I never ate anything from Dave, so it wasn't really like a personal thing for me. But I like I get it. A lot of people really liked having the option of Dave there. And, you know, he became a staple to a certain degree. But, you know, there's there's union laws. It's like when you move to the strip, you move to a new venue, things change. Right. And there was like they just legally couldn't allow him to do what he was doing because because there are unions, you know. And so, yeah, there's no real way for him to work the thing. And, uh, yeah, I don't really like outside of that. Again, it, it was, I know that it was like a, an emotional topic for many, but for me, it had, you know, personally on a personal level, zero impact. Yeah, I'm surprised because I knew he had a lot of vegan offerings. How do you decide what to eat when you're out there? So I plan ahead, you know, in January, as I said, I've, I've been working out. I'm, I'm planning on coming in at 155, you know, lean, lean, lean machine. And then during the World Series, I allow myself to separate the idea of like dieting or anything like that. And I literally just eat whatever the hell I want to eat. I am a vegan, as you mentioned, but if I want to have chocolate and I want to have popcorn and nachos and, you know, vegan pizza, I will do that because, uh, I'm not, I'm not going to, I've done it different ways. Like I've tried to eat healthy during, but at two in the morning, you find that like you don't crave like a broccoli carrot salad. You know, what you want. <laughs> is, like, you want a you want like a peanut a fried peanut butter and jelly sandwich covered in nachos, popcorn, and you know, vegan cheese or something like that. That sounds absolutely disgusting, but I guess to each his own. Exactly, yeah. Whatever it I mean, like I snack, I eat whatever I want. I mean, listen, I'm gonna have healthy meals throughout, you know, a good probably for the most part, you know, an oat based breakfast, because oats are I everyone should just eat oats for breakfast every day. It's like the health tip 101 on tournament poker edge. Oats are like awesome. They do everything <laughs> for you. They've got carbs, they got fat, they got protein, and they give you energy. And most importantly, they're satiating, so they keep you full for a while. And, you know, they're tasty because you can put whatever you want in there. You can put fr fruits and chocolates and nuts and whatever. You do whatever you want with them. But oats, man, oats is the go-to. There you go. I mean, this is the content people are looking for. They want to know what to eat for breakfast. So we're giving it to them. It's funny because Mike Mattiso literally asked me just yesterday what to eat for breakfast. So this is why it was fresh on my mind. And I told him oats. Well, yeah. I'm an overnight oats guy. You know, I like to put yep. them in the fridge overnight, some chia seeds in there, some blueberries. Right. I love it. Same too. I do the same. I basically, I put uh, oats, chia seed. I'll put a little bit of, you know, vegan yogurt and I'll put some maple syrup in it overnight with some soy milk and some protein powder great for the next morning you add the fruit you add the nuts and you're good to go got to represent canada with the maple syrup obviously oh, yeah, eh? yeah. <laughs> well look i mean it looks like we're having the same breakfast maybe i'll have some tournament results like you this year that would be good yeah, that's all it takes yeah <laughs> yeah so let's talk about pocket fives because you know that's an old school poker website kind of one of the original websites and i noticed that you're offering uh, the deal of uh, of the of maybe of the millennium here on Pocket Fives. Can you tell people what you're doing with them? Yeah, so I've been doing this for the last couple of years, and we're opening it up to to everybody now through Pocket Fives. Um, I thought it would be a good idea because I do daily vlogs to give like fans of the vlog or whatever like a little sweat, you know, because when you watch a sporting event and you have a few bucks on it, it becomes far more interesting. Oh yeah. And so I wanted people to come along with the journey. So on Pocket Fives, we're going to be doing two things. Number one. We're offering um, a piece of the entire package. 
So minimum buy is like 19 bucks all the way to 475. And you'll ride with me through the series. However, we do by the end, you know, if I win, you win. If I lose, you lose. Uh, and then in addition to that, we're going to post for, especially for all the big stuff. We'll do like, you know, daily opportunities. We're like, you know, okay, today's the 100K turbo. You can buy a piece of that, you know, uh, 25% or so. And I think it's a great way to sort of engage and get fans interested uh, that can't come and play the World Series of Poker. They still can be part of the action. Great. Well, as we record this on May 12th in the afternoon, I'm going to try to push this episode out. We usually come out on Fridays, but I'm going to try to get this one out so that people can know because this is actually open for business tonight on Pocket Fives, correct? Yeah, I will I will say this. It will likely sell out quickly, yeah. the big package, because it does. Like yeah, The first year we did this, we did this on a software that couldn't handle it, and they, they, there, was, there was a huge mistake. It sold out. The entire package sold out in 90 seconds. Wow. But stayed open. So we were trying to sell like 400,000 worth. And then within 12 minutes, we'd sold like, you know, 1.8 million. <laughs> so that so that became a problem where we had to year after year, I wanted to make make those players whole. So I was offering this package to exclusively those that were affected. And now that we've exhausted that, opening it up to the public, working with Pocket Fives, who has this process streamlined so there won't be any mistakes and it's very easy to use. And, you know, again, yeah, it, it's uh, it, you're right. Like Pocket Fives has been an old school thing, and it's updated to, you know, become a staking hub now. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And they also have uh, a lot of different content on there, uh, various forums and stuff like that. But yeah, can we be sure that they're not going to uh, crash due to the overload like the uh, Obamacare website did back in the day? Well, yeah, my web. The, the first time I tried this years ago, that's exactly what happened. You know, <laughs> we, they did all the testing. You know, years ago. And said we we're we're good. We've done all the possible testing, and then it happened that it was something like 20x what they expected, like in terms of interest. So that's good news. That makes you feel nice that people want a piece. But it is a good deal. Like for those that don't know, like most people charge what a markup, so they'll charge you a little extra juice to buy a piece. But I do this, you know, I do this with no markup, so it's a really really good package to buy. Yeah, I mean to be able to get one of the all-time best poker players, arguably the best tournament player of all time at 0% markup. I would say that's a pretty good deal for sure. So yeah, I'm, I'm going to jump on it myself. I know that a lot of our listeners will uh, already know about it and they're probably ready for 8 p.m. Eastern time on May 12th when that opens up and probably will be closed by 8.02. So we'll see. <laughs> we'll see how long it lasts. <laughs> yeah, well... And the good news is if you miss this big package, they'll be dailies throughout the entire series. Yeah, that's cool. Now, uh, you know, the vlog is something that people look forward to every WSOP. You know, where do you get the time? Because you play so many events and, you know, people want autographs. And they want attention. You know, idiots like me ask you for interviews and stuff. Like, where do you get the time to also put out your blog and, and everything else, all the content that you're constantly creating? So the good news with the vlog is the way that I do it, it's very, very simplistic and an easy, smooth, you know, transitional system where all I do is have a selfie stick and my iPhone. And when I see things that I think are interesting, I bring it up and I record. On breaks, of course, you know, I'll share some hand breakdowns. So I'll do this in in, um, in concert with uh, my guy Christian. And so anything I want to add to the vlog, because essentially I produce the thing mentally, right? I decide in the morning what do I want to put in this. I do all that. I tell Christian what I want to have happen, and then I get done around 2 a.m., 
and all the footage gets uploaded to an iCloud, right, through the phone that the team in Korea, you know, the GG Poker team has access to. So when it's daytime there, they, they edit overnight. So Christian wakes up at 7, makes sure that the music's all good, and it's up by 10 a.m. the very next day. And as you notice, like, I don't have a lot to do there. As far as the other part of the question you asked, you know, with fans and things, um, I hold my breaks as sacred and precious. That's the main reason that I needed an, I felt like I needed an RV or some type of a green room. Because if, if I would stop and chat with everybody who wants to on a break, I wouldn't get a break. I wouldn't even have a chance to go to the bathroom or do whatever I need to do. So anytime people come up to me on a break, I always feel bad because I'm, they, they're trying to be respectful. Like they don't want to bother me while I'm in a hand. So they're waiting for the break to like get a picture, an autograph. And it's like the inverse is what I need, right? When I'm out of a hand, I'll step away from the table and do that. But on the break, if I stop for one person, then another person, and then where do I stop the line? I'm like, you're next. You can't get one. So what I <laughs> do is I tell them I'll be right back and I'll do it for you at the end of the break. Yeah. So otherwise you wouldn't get to take a break. And we do need to kind of like rest our brains for a minute, especially, you know, just the high intensity with, you know, the bracelets on the line and all the money on the line. Uh, but you also don't want to be rude to people because you realize, you know, just how important the fans of poker are. So this seems like a good solution. You know, anyone who's listening to this, if you want to speak to Negranu, get a picture, get an autograph, whatever, the best time to do that is actually not during a break. Um, that's counterintuitive, but it actually makes sense. Yeah, no, I get it, right? Like, obviously, people think like, oh, you know, I don't want to bother him while he's playing, but I'm like. Like, like, you know, when, when you really explain it, it's like, I get 15 minutes total. <laughs> right. Go to the bathroom, grab a snack, shoot the video for the vlog about a hand and all that kind of stuff. And if I eat up 12 to 13 minutes of it talking to people on the break. And besides, like, I think I don't think a lot of people realize this. And they, they have a misconception about what an introvert means. And I'm like the poster boy for what a talkative introvert is. Just because someone's an introvert doesn't mean that they're socially incapable. It typically just means you know, that you charge your batteries when you're alone and resting rather than, you know, when you're around people, you're ex expending energy and exhausting your brain and your mind. And that's definitely me when I'm around other people. That's why, like during the series, people like you want to go dinner. I don't I haven't had a meal with another human being at the World Series in like a decade. Like it doesn't happen. I don't socialize on my breaks. I like I'm always alone. Yeah. You know what you're describing, Daniel? It's interesting. My other world, of course, stand up comedy you probably describe about 90 to 95 percent of the comedians I know. Right. You know, and I, again, like people hear extrovert introvert and they would like they see how I am and I'm, you know, socially, you know, talkative. And they think, well, he's definitely an extrovert, but that's not how it works. Right. And it makes sense that guys in comedy, you know, when they're on they're they're like they're on and they're they're giving it all they got. And they're expending energy and then they download and recharge, you know, after each set and kind of like get ready for the next one yeah i love crowds i love applause i love laughter but man do i really cherish my alone time a lot makes total sense right you know you get again again i like being around people like but what i realized is like i enjoy socializing but it just simply drains my energy so if i'm going to be playing 12 14 hours a day you know and i go to dinner with a group of people and you know we just talk and all this kind of stuff that last four to six hours of the tournament, I'm dead. Yeah, you know, I'm exhausted. I never got a chance to, you know, relax, and and that's why sleep 
and relaxation is my number one priority during the series. Yeah, yeah. So tell us a little bit about your routine kind of leading up to the series, you know, starting in just a couple of weeks here. Um, and then what is your, your routine during during the series? You strike me as a guy that likes to keep to a schedule. Am I right? Oh, I'm a big time. I mean, I can tell you by time specifically what each day looks like for the most part with very few exceptions. Um, and essentially, you know, basically I created my own workout and meal plan. And uh, as I said, I had what I called like a fat December, which is really a blast. I, I enjoy the process of getting fat. It's a lot of fun. But then I also like, you know, you know, working out and being on a schedule. So I get the best of both worlds. So currently all I'm really focused on is working out. You know, I walk every day, like 15,000 steps. I'm lifting weights six days a week. I'm eating about uh, 1,850 calories a day. So, you know, losing about one to one and a half pounds of fat per week-ish, um, right where I need to be. And then, you know, I'm watching sports, hanging out with the wife, watching some shows, but really not doing a lot. Just like I said, a lot of twiddling my thumbs in between, waiting for the series to start. Yeah. <laughs> now you say you had a fat December. How much did you really gain? You're not a big guy. No, I mean obviously fat for people. They're they're going to be like, oh, what a, what an asshole. Um, <laughs> right. No, I started on on January first. I weighed 167 pounds, and I'm currently like 155. So, right. So yeah, one. But the difference was like in, basically in December, I decided I'm going to have Cinnabons for breakfast, pizza for lunch, and a burger and fries for for dinner, all vegan, of course. And I'm not going to do any exercise at all. And I'm, it was like actually a lot of fun. But but I can I can do that because I know that I have the discipline and the willpower to like get myself into shape. That's why during the World Series, I already accept that by the time this World Series is over, I'll be probably about 165 pounds. And it won't be muscle, okay? <laughs> It'll be whatever it is. And then after it's over, I know within you know in six to eight weeks, I can I can lose it all back. It's just a function of sitting around so much. I mean, you can call poker a sport if you want to, but it's not a physical activity at all. I will say this, though, so to sort of push back a little bit there, you know, they've done um, studies on chess players and poker. When you're playing poker, you actually burn a ton of calories. You're, you really burn a lot of calories when you're under mental stress. The difference is, and the reason for the weight gain, is partly, obviously, as you mentioned, some exercise, but really it's the the amount of calories that I'm eating. Like I just, you know, I'm craving chocolate, you know, sweet, that, that chocolate alone, right? Chocolate and nuts, for example. Those, that's a lot of damn calories in those little things, right? You take <laughs> that and it's like having a full meal, right? right? And I'm doing that throughout the day al along with meals. So the real big issue I think is just, and I think partly, and I know Phil Helmy does this too. He's always eating candy and doing whatever. It's like, because your brain is expending so much energy, if you don't eat, enough you know that can cause like you know fatigue and a, and a lack of focus i think so i allow myself to just i don't track anything i just eat if i'm hungry i eat whatever i feel like eating. well you know that's what you got to do so whatever it takes i mean obviously your results speak for themselves so if you tell me you have a uh, overnight oats in the morning and then eat chocolate and nuts all day i'm gonna <laughs> i'm just gonna go with it you know <laughs> potato chips popcorn um yeah and or and we're gonna order out some food too <laughs> well, you know, we should be getting so excited about the WSOP and the new venue and all the fun new tournaments like the $100,000 bounty event. But somehow there seems to be like a little bit of a black cloud over poker right now with all the cheating scandals that have been going on. The alleged 
cheating that's allegedly been allegedly happening. Um, you know, what are your thoughts on cheating in poker and what sites like GG Poker and others can do to kind of combat against that? Yeah. I, so I think it's important to really look back and think like poker, the game of poker, a gambling game where people can win money, has always had the battle of fighting cheaters. They've always existed, and there are always going to be people who try to cheat the system, right? The difference, I think, today is the level of sophistication of some of these cheaters has evolved, right? So with that, you know, the sites and the organizations have to continue to stay above it, but it's always a cat and mouse thing. So, you know, GG, for example, uh, I think it was August 2020, we released, you know, we released this publicly that we banned like 60 accounts that we found were using real-time assistance. And there have been many bans since then, and we monitor it very, very heavily. So, yeah, when you are playing, so when you look at that, people are like, oh, my God, there's cheating going on there. Like, what I think you should be focusing on is the fact that there was cheating, but we got rid of these people, right? Like, that, they are actively doing that. It's not happening rampantly in such a way where, you know, they're getting away with it for, you know, extended periods of time. You know, like I said, there's always going to be people trying to do so. For live poker, I don't see it being an issue for the World Series of Poker, really. Because there's minimal amounts of things that people can do as compared to, to to online, but you know we're always on the lookout, and I, I hope that because of all this you know talk of scandals, we get to a point where all the organizations not I, I don't know if blacklist is the way the way I would refer, reference it, but like share information so that these guys can't just go from like okay I was cheating over here I got kicked out I'm just gonna go over here and just continue to do that. I think if we continue to like limit the number of places that these people can play. Then we start to have like major repercussions for doing this. Because if we don't, you know, you look at the Ali M. Shurvish and Jake Schindlers, they're like showing up to the studio, like whatever, like nothing happened. I'm like, okay, so you know. Yeah, we, we all we all heard about you guys, but here you are. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's 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 not it's not a good look. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about the blacklist. You kind of answered it already. You don't know if that's the way to go, but you know, do you think that? Uh, what would you say to people who criticize? Uh, poker sites for not releasing the names of players who got banned well i just think that comes from just a natural lack of understanding of the privacy laws right so the sites would love to do that they would it would be so much easier if all the sites could be like this is who did this is who cheated this is what he did right but they're not legally allowed to do that and they open themselves up to a lot of um you know liability if they were now the goal or the hope would be for them to be able to change these privacy laws or change the terms of service in the future so that maybe that they can. But as of now, what they can do is, is and here's the thing, the high roller scene, they put two and two together. We release information that we banned 60 accounts, right? So if you're playing with a guy every day and then there's this ban and you don't see him anymore, <laughs> you know, you put two and two together, you might think that maybe he was one of the bands. And I think that's, you know, primarily how a lot of the names that did surface did so because of other high rollers going, okay, well, these guys were banned. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. And you're right. They do kind of, everyone's sort of speculating about who those people were because they don't see them around anymore. And then they kind of ask that person's friend, hey, do you know if this guy was, was banned or not? But, you know, that just, sometimes people can draw the wrong conclusions. And I guess in a perfect world, we'd just be able to get a list. But if you're saying there are laws that are stopping that from happening, then the players can complain all they want, but that's not going to be something they can change. Not as of now, but because I, 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 here's the other thing too, right? And this is problematic because so let's say you release the list of names, okay? Now the in, the you know the sort of like 
things that they did to break the team's terms of service vary. You know, you have tier one guys who are using real-time RTA all the time. We're ghosting, we're colluding, we're doing all kinds of cheating. They're like tier one, right? Then you have like the tier twos who are doing some RTA, you know, then you have like the tier threes who are using pre-flop charts, maybe didn't even know like that that was not a thing, right? But if you release this group of names and you don't release the tiers and you don't release exactly what rule they infringed upon, now you unfairly lump people, you know, with the worst of the worst. So again, you're opening up a big can of worms of like sharing all this kind of information. And again, first and foremost, they're not legally allowed to do that. But secondarily, if they were to do that, I think it'd be incredibly important to like, you know, separate and let people know like this guy had all his tier one. Basically, the system that Gigi used was tier one. Those people, their money was confiscated, right? Their money was confiscated. Whereas tier three, they were just not allowed to play. They got to withdraw their money or and whatever, right? So the, the severity and penalty was was there. So I guess you know we could release a tier listing, but again, it's a touchy subject. It's difficult, but I'm 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 hopeful that you know because it's come to light that you know other organizations like we've already seen like Jake Ali and Gok Kostika they went to you know Monte Carlo they weren't allowed to play and they're not allowed to play at Triton. So it's already starting to happen in some regard, which is a good thing. Yeah, it sure is. But at the same time, I agree with you having the multi-tiered system uh, because, you know, what I saw in my other world, the entertainment field during the Me Too movement, you know, like what Harvey Weinstein did is not the same as what like Aziz Ansari did. They both did bad things, but we can't say, oh, they're but both. Did they <laughs> but did they both do bad things, right? I know Harvey Weinstein did, but Aziz went on a date with a chick, liked the chick, went back to her house. She went, they had some did some sexuals and then he asked for a little further sexuals she said no he said okay he asked again she said no she felt bad about it the next day and now he's a freaking predator ah come on yeah well that's that's my point like maybe he could have been more of a gentleman but he's certainly no weinstein right yeah yeah exactly. yeah uh, you're hitting the point exactly in terms of infractions because like for example pre-flop charts you're not allowed to use those on GG. You're not allowed to have a HUD or anything like that. That's something that was part of online poker for many, many years. So a lot of people may not have even been aware of the gray area and what they were doing was like prohibited by the site because maybe it's allowed on others. So in those cases, I do believe maybe all of branch opportunity for them to get reinstated on a case by case basis makes sense. But of course, the most egregious, you know, ban them from everywhere. Well, I like it. I mean, you know, I'm in favor of tough penalties i think that you know in order to grow this game the way we all want to we can't have everybody think that all poker players are cheaters and unfortunately that's what 90 percent of the headlines about poker have been lately which is just kind of a bad look for the game as a whole i know we're almost out of time daniel i don't want to leave uh this interview on such a bad note so uh tell me something good like what what are you what are you looking forward to tell me something positive to to wrap things up Okay, well, let's go with that. You know, St. Jude is doing a charity event. Matt Stout is now heading it. You know, he runs the charity series of, of online poker or, or of poker. This uh, St. Jude event is something that I created years ago with a, a woman named Tanya Mead. And we literally started with from nothing, but having a conversation at her, you know, round table. And we started to add more people to the board and it started to grow. And we, we set a date and then we're like, all right, we're doing this thing. But like we didn't have our ducks in a row. You know, we didn't have prize money. We didn't have people. We didn't have we didn't have anything yet. But we continued to work really hard. And, you know, we pulled off the first one and it was a smashing success. And it's become an annual event. I've sort of 
you know, lessen my involvement now, like leaving it in the, you know, wonderful hands of Mr. Matt Stout. So I'm looking forward on the 21st at the Red Rock to playing the poker. The 20th, they're going to have a golf. Uh, you know, it's going to be a two part thing. There's golf and then there's poker the next night. So I'll be, I'll be looking forward to that. That's always a good thing. I think one thing that gets neglected, you know, you, you talked about the bad, but t- today across the America and most places, the number one way in which or the number one activity or event that is the easiest to implement and most effective for raising money for charities is poker more so than golf. Cause like some people just can't hit a damn golf ball, right? (laughs) But like with poker, you can have people just like put all the chips in the middle, right? So poker is great for that. And and it's always nice to see poker sort of, you know, uh, be attached to initiatives like St. Jude. Yeah. And I've had the, uh, you know, good fortune of being involved in some of those events with, uh, the CSOP as well. And, you know, it's always great to see you there. You really seem to, uh, come out of your introverted shell, uh, as it, as it were, when it comes time to start, you know, bidding on the auction items and convincing others to do the same. So, uh, yeah, I know. I have a trick for that. I have a trick for that. Um, in a word, it's a performance enhancing drug in those regards and it's, uh, it's called alcohol. <laughs> so I go with some alcohol and then it all of a sudden gives me some energy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, those events are great. And if you're in Las Vegas on May 21st, and there's another one on July 3rd, uh, it's not for St. Jude's, but it's for uh, the Three Square Food Bank. And so those are the upcoming CSOP events. Um, and I'll be there on the on the 3rd. I have to miss the event on the 21st, but I know you guys will have a great time. Come have a drink with Daniel Negranu and others and you know help raise money for, I mean, can you think of a better cause than children who are sick i mean come on right exactly (laughs) i mean that's it that they need help and you know i love matt and that's such a great thing that they've got going with the csop so yeah i'm obviously a a huge fan myself well daniel uh, i want to wish you luck uh, in your world series of poker this summer i hope to uh watch your success from some other table sounds good buddy we'll see you there yeah bud thanks for coming on the podcast so uh first time guest and um poker hall of fame member daniel mcgonnie thank you so much for joining me anytime bud my pleasure I wanna hold them like they do in Texas plays Fold them, let them hit me, raise it, baby, stay with me Lock in intuition, play the cards with babes to start